Our guest today is a very well-known radio personality in Los Angeles in the USA. He is a news anchor on KNX Radio, which is the CBS flagship station. And he's coming up for his 50th anniversary in radio. That's a whole lot of years behind the microphone. But he's much more than just a great voice behind the mic. He's also a respected journalist, a prolific writer who has written more than a dozen books, about 20 screenplays and over a thousand magazine articles, two newsletters. He's a blogger, he's a filmmaker and a lifelong sports lover. And if you think that that is all, he's also a sportscaster, a respected sports historian and an expert sports trading cards. But he has also found time to raise funds for charity for children. Stay with us to meet the man behind the famous voice of Bob Brill. Don't go away, we'll be right back. If you're just joining us, welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Jetty Limbanda from Cape Town over in South Africa. And our live stream is made possible by Creative Edge, StreamYard and BeLive Media. A special warm welcome to you, our viewers, whether you are watching us over on Amazon Live. Um, I've got my phone right here, so I'll be monitoring the comments in real time. Uh, and also, if you're watching us over on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Twitter Live. We are watching the comments, so welcome to you guys over there too. Um, and if you'd like us to give us your shout out, if this is your first time, we'd love to do that to welcome you. Our amazing guest today is Bob Brill. He spent 50 years behind the microphone and has written over a dozen books. And today we talked to him about his book, The Tattoo Murder. But before we invite my amazing co-host and Bob Brill to join us here, we are all about helping you level up on your um, live streaming game. We know that as authors today, a lot of stuff is hybrid. A lot of um, authors are not yet releasing their books in person. They are doing so online. And so we've got a couple of recommendations for you. Both myself and my co-host use the Logitech Brio camera. Um, which is a great, great, great camera that we want to recommend to you because it's got the trademarked Right Light HDR technology, which means you don't have to fuss too much about um, your lighting. And of course, for uh, audio, I personally use the Samsung um, Studio Condenser Microphone. It's got a solid die-cast construction, which reduces noise vibrations, and so it's ideal for going live. But not everybody needs to or wants to have a big microphone in front of them, but do use something other than your built-in uh, microphone in your computer or on your phone. Uh, you could use something like the Rode Lavalier microphone, which is clip-on, but it does contribute to giving you great sound or better sound than your built-in microphone 
anyway. Now, a lot of the um, authors are still using or maybe using their phones to go live to um, to release their books or to talk about their books. And uh, one thing that we do want to caution against is holding your phone in your hand because it makes people seasick when it jiggles um, a little bit. And just two recommendations on that if you're wanting to demonstrate your books um, that you could use along with a tripod is something like the uh, DJI Osmo um, um, stabilizer or you could use the iographer, but just use something to stabilize your phone so you don't make people feel seasick while they're watching you talk about your book. We're about to bring, bring Bob Brill um, onto the show, but before that, my amazing co-host and friend is Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Mary is a special needs and disabilities advocate, a ghostwriter, and an award-winning author. Do check out her latest release, Cheers from Heaven with Thornton Klein. And with that, let me say welcome to Mary. Hi, how are you today? Oops, oh my goodness. We've got a little bit of a technological glitch, but I am very, very sure that Mary will be joining us soon again. So just give her a second. I don't know what's going on with the weather there on her side, or uh, it's just a technological glitch. We've actually never had this happen before, but we'll give her a second. She will come on shortly. But to just introduce our amazing guest for today, Bob Brill is an award-winning journalist, a filmmaker and author. He spent five decades in radio broadcasting and spent some of that as a national correspondent traveling the world covering major stories. Um, Bob is currently a news anchor and reporter for the all news radio station in Los Angeles, KNX, and he's authored 13 books and says his latest, um, which is the one we're going to be talking about. I've got that book right here and Mary so glad that you <laughs> this has never happened before right I don't know never happened before in three years it's never <laughs> three happened. and a half years never I was like oh, hello. <laughs> oh my gosh I'm so excited to be here and you know what I love the cover of this book I mean you know the cover yeah, it's beautiful. And, and book covers are real tricky to really come up with that, you know, that perfect thing is going to catch somebody's eye that goes, okay, I got to check that book out. I mean, that's like, what that's your first part of your like story, advertising brand, getting people to, you know, love you as an author and buy your book. And I think it's really great. I love it. And I'm so excited to have him on. I really love the multi-dimensional, um, let's see, what is the word I want to use? Uh, multi hat wearing folks, you know, out there who are just living life and doing what they, they love to do. It's, it's so inspiring, isn't it? Absolutely. So let's get, let's get Bob to join us on screen. Shall we? Wow, ladies, I feel like I've just arrived from Krypton and I'm Superman. 
Well, you are. If, if you didn't know it, you are Superman. Did you hear oh, your you. bio? I mean, did you hear your bio? Holy cow! You are Superman. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to uh, to joining you, ladies, and it's such a wonderful thing just to be here. But uh, uh, far away, I'm ready. All right, we're so excited I, I, to have you. I'm going to fire away with a completely off-the-cuff question, which I don't think okay. you're going to be expecting. Yeah, she doesn't know. You don't, yeah, I don't think you've ever asked anyone this question before. So. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Let me uh, get set for this one then. <laughs> yeah. uh, bullets, you know. Uh, so you've spent, you've spent almost 50 years behind the microphone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so people know your voice more than seeing you. Uh, so I've I've got to ask you this question. I just have to ask you. After spending all these years behind the microphone, do you have a favorite microphone or one that you would recommend to people? You know, it's interesting because I was watching your uh, your intro and you were talking about and a lot of the things that you were talking about, the stabilizers and stuff. I'm saying, oh, I got that. I have that. I have that. I have that. <laughs> and to be honest with you, yes, this little microphone right here. Uh, which is very much like the one you were talking about that you're wearing, uh, is probably my favorite um, because, first of all, it's hands-free. I don't have to worry about that. And you can see it right here. There you go. Yeah, and, very good uh, loud sound. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've tried a few different mics uh, over the years. I mean, the studio mics we have at KNX are are really good. They just add a lot of volume to your voice. Of course, now that we're on FM too, it makes a big difference. Uh, it adds a whole lot to your voice. I'll just say adding to your voice. I won't say any more than that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, this particular microphone, and to be honest with you, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, works a whole lot better than uh, some of the other uh, others that I tried. I don't have to worry about where the microphone is to get good sound. It's just, uh, it's there, it picks up my voice and that, that works. Awesome. I know I often talk to people about the importance of good sound because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes the picture can go wrong due to technology and people will continue listening if they can hear you. But if you have a bad picture of a good picture and they can't hear you, people will tune into a different station, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the a recent documentary we shot on the, uh, the great Somar earthquake, which was 50 years ago or actually 50. Uh, one years ago now, uh, we opened with a black screen and the um, geologist talking about uh, the the earthquake itself, a perfect 15-second cut, talking about the importance of that. And we thought about having her on screen, and we also thought about putting something else in, in the background, like, you know, earthquake activity. And I said, no, I the words here are so important that I just want a black screen because you're going to focus on that black screen and say, what am I watching? And then, and, and her name across the, in, in white. And then you had to listen for 15 to 18 seconds of, of her because it was so important in setting the tone for the documentary. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I, I do, we, I have two questions for you. One mm -hmm. is, um, as you're talking about filmmaking, is that your focus? Cause we didn't, we haven't discussed that. Uh, you know, is, is documentary your focus for filmmaking? Not, not so much documentary, but filmmaking. Uh, we're, um, I've been having meetings this week, which is actually good. Um, but this particular film, uh, is not, out yet it's still in the hands of the distributors and uh we just uh received an award for best documentary film writing uh for the international reels film uh um 
festival in India just last week. So we got that on and it was kind of nice. So we got yeah. a couple of laurels with that. Uh, but uh, actually, I'm, I'm kind of diverse when it comes to filmmaking. I've written a bunch of scripts. You know, I've written some TV pilots, uh, still working to get those sold. And uh, but, you know, people ask me, well, what genre do you write? And I just tell them, I say, look, I don't write genre. I, I write good stories. And to mm -hmm. me, that's what it's all about. And whether it's, uh, there's two biopics, one is my own, one is um, uh, based on my first book, which was Fan Letters to a Stripper. Um, and that was a coffee table book. And that is about the life of um, one of the most famous burlesque dancers, uh, you call a stripper burlesque dancers of the 1940s and 50s and 60s who married a major league baseball player uh, during in 1955 and their relationship uh, over the course of 20 years. And it's uh, my first book. It's the screenplay. It's my passion script. And um, we're just kind of, that's one of the things we're, we're kind of pushing at the moment. Okay, so that leads into the, the, the next question. And you almost, I think you just answered one part of it. So um, writing so much that the, uh, books and stories and screenplays mm. and all this stuff that you have in your life, what do you think makes for good storytelling? And um, is, is what you just told us your favorite piece of, that you've done so far? Um, good storytelling to me depends on experience. Uh, you never... You always learn from experience. I mean, that's biblical. You know, um, you learn from your experiences and what you've done in life. And I do a podcast, um, which I've kind of adapted for this 30 days celebrating the 50 years in, in radio. Uh, and it was called Interesting People with Bob Brill. And that podcast was designed to interview people about their job, because I think that everybody has an interesting thing in their job. And whether you are digging ditches or whether you're an author, a filmmaker, if you're a ball player, or if you're a housewife or uh, someone who works at a, a grocery store, there are interesting things about your life that are worth telling. And everybody says, oh, my life isn't that interesting. I just lived a mundane life. No, you haven't. There are things in your life that are really interesting, you know, and if you just think about it, uh, that, you know, they come out. And there's, you know, everybody, we're always telling stories. So we have more stories the older we get. Of course, I've been doing this for a long time. So I have a lot more stories than maybe somebody who's 20 years old. And what we did on the podcast, uh, The Interesting People with Bob Brill, is for 30 days, I'm telling 30 different stories of my life on the radio. Uh, one is covering the Zsa Gabor trial. One is how I saved Ronald Reagan's life, sort of. Um, one is... Um, <laughs> You know, and, and there's, you know, my first job, which was a hilarious story, you know. And so that's kind of where I'm at on that. It's like everybody has an interesting story. And I guess on the answer to the favorite piece, um, Patty Wagon is probably, that's the stripper's name. Um, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I have another favorite, uh, which is um, the one I just wrote on the pandemic. It's a black comedy on the pandemic called uh, The Toilet Paper Murders. And I mean, you know, basically, come on, what was the most right. amazing thing that you remember about the early days of the pandemic? You go to the store and you couldn't find toilet paper. You know, no you toilet paper. And if you could, if you think about that, if the world didn't have toilet paper, where would we be? 
you know, and um, I mean, all the trees that were cut down and all the and toilet papers, I found out in doing research for the script, toilet paper is made from the shavings of uh, that fall on the ground um, at the sawmill. That's where toilet paper comes from. And um, it's very so, you know, natural. People, yeah, pe people killed over toilet paper. So, and that's where the toilet paper murders comes in. It's a script oh, where I, I love the script. It's one of my favorites, and it's it that I've written a couple of westerns, which I really love too. Oh my gosh, we are going to have to win. You have to let us know when that's coming to out. <laughs> we, we got. I tried to buy uh, paper towels just the, the other day on ClickList, yeah. and it's like you can't. You only purchase in the store. I said, "Oh my gosh, are we going back in time?" <laughs> I have great pictures of these empty shelves. Or you know, you you walk down you walk down the um, uh, an aisle with grocery of certain groceries, and they're full. You walk down an aisle where the toilet paper and the paper goods are supposed to be, and they're empty. You know, and people yeah. are fighting over over the last roll of you know yeah. paper towels or whatever. So, and you bring everybody in your family, and everyone gets a roll, and yep. everybody goes to a different thing to check yep. out. <laughs> if you're smart, you charge them double. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that is hilarious! That's hilarious. Well, let's let's get back to the tattoo. Yeah. Uh, murder. Mm -hmm. When did you start? writing the book and how long did it take you to write it because you seem to be doing a gazillion stuff all at the same time well the interesting thing about this particular book most when i sit down to write uh, like the western novels like lancer hero the west series those take me first draft about three to four weeks and then i set them aside then i go back and uh, work on the you know, the plot development and change and things and make sure I'm consistent and all the other things like the misspellings and the theirs and theirs and the, you know, which I always screw up. Um, and, but this particular book, I actually wrote 10 years ago. Um, and I made the mistake, or maybe I made, because it's doing so well now, I made, maybe it wasn't a mistake, maybe it was Providence. I let my daughter read it. And I set out to write a racy detective novel. And I guess I overdid it. And my daughter looked at me and said, I can't read this book. My dad wrote this. There's, I can't read the sex of this book. And, and I was like, okay. And I let my sister read it and she wanted to slap me. So um, unfortunately she lives in Texas and couldn't reach that far. But um, so anyway, so I set it on the shelf. I said, I'm going to pick it up later because, you know, we all know that life changes and moods change and, um, you know, um, morality sometimes changes and things like that. But I realized that I had overdone it. And so um, there's a psychologist uh, or psychiatrist, uh, I shouldn't say that, but she's a friend of mine uh, who lives here. And I, I let her read it and she loved it. She goes, Bob, you got to publish it. She's been bugging me for 10 years to publish it. Jimmy Christina, who's my publisher on this, wanted me to publish it. And several other people said, we really think it's a great book. We love it. And, but, you know, so I toned down the sex and, um, I went ahead and uh, rewrote it. I didn't rewrite it. I mean, I cleaned it up. And, and I don't mean clean it up by cleaning up the sex. I meant just, you know, making it a little better. And because uh, everything else was there. And so uh, we put it out this year and it's it's doing well. I, it's matter of fact, I think it's probably the best book I've ever written. And it's doing probably better than any book I've ever written. 
That's exciting. We love those kind of stories that, you know, it's like um, the person who's been writing a book for 30 years, you know, and putting it down and bringing it back and putting it down. And then it turns out to be, I mean, it's amazing when that happens. Um, there are a lot of timestamps in the book. So is it based on any real life yes. folks in your life? Okay. Can you mention their names? There, there are. Uh, yeah, I, I can mention one. Uh, there are some characters in the book uh, who are um, based on real life characters. There's a few that I, I can't mention, but um, we did two interesting things with the book, something I really wanted to do. And I'll tell you about those when I tell you about the, the one character. Uh, the character of Luis Sanchez, who is what we, what we call the godfather of the avenue. Um, and uh, he is um his, his real name is louis i won't mention his last name um uh, but he, he's a very good friend of mine and i mean a long time friend of mine and i love the guy to death and his picture is actually in the book uh one of the things we did is we uh we put a time um time stamp uh timeline in the book so that every scene in the book uh like a movie script uh, is dated the time of day and where they're at so you know where you're at. And one of the reasons I did that, first of all, I found out it worked. The second reason is um, when you read a book and when you're getting tired, your eyes are getting tired, you always look, well, how many pages to the end of the chapter? And I'll just read to the end of the chapter. Well, in this book, the timeline may be two pages. It may be one page away, maybe six pages away uh, because it changes so rapid, so much so that uh, People have told me they can't put it down. And I think one of the reasons for that is that they go to the timeline and they say, well, the next timeline is only two pages. So I'll read to that. Oh, the next timeline is only three pages. I'll, next timeline is only one. And they'll read. And all of a sudden they've written, uh, read 20 pages. So that um, is helped. And that will be uh, the way the sequel will work as well. Jim, uh, Jimmy asked me to, to write a sequel and I'm, I'm going to do that. And that'll be based on a, an actual case that I covered when I worked at a radio station in Fresno, a murder case there, but it'll still be the same characters and same setting. I'm just going to transport it because it's fiction. And um, the other thing we did is I wanted to give the reader uh, a feeling that it was real. It was live. They were in this moment that was uh, that actually happened, even though it's fictional. And so what we did, we took pictures uh, of places where the book takes place in Ventura. And there's 10 pictures in the middle of the book uh, of scenes in the book. They're real life, real life places. And then like a, a body's found in some tall grass near the ocean. And so we have a picture of the tall grass near the ocean uh, where that fictional body would have been found. And of course, the book opens with a murder, the body washing up on shore. And you see that in the first picture. But there's a picture we took in front of a cantina of actually Louis Sanchez, who is actually the real Louis. And um, I describe him and my relationship with him is real. And so we have him facing away, but it's actually him. It's actually this Louis who is Louis, Louis uh, Sanchez. Uh, when I gave him the book, I said, you're chapter eight, dude, you're chapter eight, bro. You know, and every other word with him is bro, you know, and, and with the way we communicate. And so I said, hey, bro, you're chapter eight. You got to read that. If you don't read anything else in the book, you got to read chapter eight. I think I got you. I love it. That is awesome. I know that is so sweet. Oh, my goodness. 
Bob, I forgot to ask you, we were chattering away in the green room um, before we got started. And I forgot to ask you if you've got a copy of the book with you. I do. You do? Oh my I gosh, do. that's amazing. That's amazing. Could you could you read us in your in your radio voice just a little <laughs> section of the book? <laughs> okay. Let, let me change glasses so I can actually do this. Okay, uh, yeah. Put your other hat on. Yeah, there we go. The one I can see with. Okay. And I probably need a little light. Let me know if this is a little disturbing. That okay, there we go. There it's we go. not too it's bad. Fine. It's good. All right, let's uh all right, let's go to chapter eight. Uh, okay, I don't. We'll start from the beginning. That's the easiest way. Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, beach at the end of Seaward Drive, Ventura, California, Thursday morning, March 23rd, 2012, 7.15 a.m. The bruised, battered, and bloated body of a big man lay nestled up against the jagged rocks which formed the breakers along the central California coastline. The officers of the Ventura Police Department don't usually get to see the bodies of victims pushed up on the shore by the powerful waves as far from Surfer's Point. These types of crimes are usually reserved for their counterparts in the big cities of Los Angeles and San Diego. It's not that Ventura doesn't have crime. It does. Bodies washing up on shore, especially those battered as this one was, highly unusual cases. Any idea who the stiff is? The policeman asked the half-dressed man who had come out of the beachfront home to see what all the fuss was about. No one I know, the 30th man with the long, scraggly hair and tattoos replied. Of course, who could tell? He's pretty messed up. The officer heard another patrol car approach and looked over his shoulder to see the backup units moving into place. Small crowd was beginning to gather. There were several coffee shops at the end of Seaward where it dead-ended at the beach, just a couple of hundred feet from the breaker. They were open for their usual morning business, and police cars do draw crowds. Folks in Hooded sweatshirts stretched their necks, hoping they'd get a look at the body uncovered on the beach. Others held their latte-laden silver mugs in hand, trying to outguess the cops and put their own spin on the story, even if it, uh, even as it develops. Start, start putting up the tape. Block off this area, first officer yelled to the others. He's got some pretty fancy artwork there, not unlike yours, eh? Man looked at his arms, covered with tattoos, and glanced back down at the body. They were both covered in tats and well, it may have given the officer pause for question. The man shrugged it off. It's Ventura, man. Everybody has tats, the bystander offered back. And uh, the man shrugged it off with a bit of disgust toward the cop and headed back to his house as another officer joined the fray. And that's when it, there's a couple of cuss words in there. So I'll stop right there. <laughs> now, I totally, knowing Jim, Christina, Tuscany Bay, your uh -huh. publisher, I know that he likes this book. Yes, he does. And he's, yeah. uh, he actually told me he read it several times and he kept finding something new. Then he found a couple of typos. We had to do that too, but that's okay. Oh, right. <laughs> of course. Okay. So we know you're not even close to retiring. Uh, we know you're not close to retiring because you still have not too enough. much left to do. So what is next yep. on your agenda? Um, boy, that's a big one. Um, we're going to do, I had a meeting with, um, uh, film packager yesterday and uh, we're going to uh, work on making the script for uh, the Patty Wagon story the stripper and the ball player into a pod into a dramatic podcast we're going to do that and uh, hopefully draw some more attention to that uh, toward the film industry um, I'm in the process of co-writing uh, a script which I've wanted to do for years um, with 
uh, a longtime friend, a friend of mine from the seventh grade. We go back to uh, junior high school together and we've reconnected. He's in Atlanta. I'm in L.A. And we're working on a script, um, a comedy, uh, which I can't tell you much about, unfortunately, because um, it's a very unique idea. And um, in, in the back and I'm working on another uh, plan for a script with another friend of mine. And we're also uh, somewhere in the next year and a half, I've got to write the next Lancer book and I'm laying out the format uh, and all the storylines for the sequel to the tattoo murder, which I can tell you will be called the belt buckle murder. And it's based on, uh, like I said, a case that I actually covered in Fresno. It'll be adapted to Ventura and um, uh, be more intrigue and, and, that was in the actual case, but the, the basis is the actual case of that particular murder. Wow. So that's kind I of mean, where I'm we going. Are, <laughs> well, you have so many things going on. And you know what? I, I think find your passion, find your passion in life, because then you, you, you never are for without something to do, right? Exactly. You know, and I, I tell people, I say, you know, that um, uh, be a student of history, not a victim of it. And that goes back to the experience, you know, the experience level. And I, I think somebody asked me once, why do I do so many things? And I, I, think, I think I told them that um, uh, it's because I never really decided what I wanted to do in life. Yeah. So I do a lot. And it just, you know, um, I, I guess what my wife says, too, is that what she likes about me, and I, 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 I know, hope there's, there's more that she likes about me than this, is that, you know, um, I get an idea and then I do it. I, I just, I don't want to sit back and take the time to figure everything out. I'm not a person who plans and, and says, okay, a year from now, I'm going to do this. I kind of jump in and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll refine it, you know, and, and if I really want to keep doing it, because I do another podcast on fantasy football with uh, Eric Kramer, who's a former NFL quarterback. And um, so we do that. So I kind of... I'm, I'm kind of going to start have to limiting myself a little bit uh, only because I'm running out of time because I still work four days a week at KX and two of those are in the overnight hours, which really kind of screws up your timing during the regular week. So, but um, you know, so yeah, I, I do a lot of things. I, I enjoy working. I never ever really want to officially retire. I may leave a certain thing behind and, uh, allow myself to do other things, but uh, I don't. I don't really ever want to retire. It's not. I get bored. Yes. Well, we have to have you back on, right, Bridgette? Because I know we have to go. Um, but well, Bob, thanks very. Uh, you know, this has been amazing. It was wonderful getting to know you better, and I really oh, I, I put it down there in the ticker. Be a student of history, not a victim. I really like that. Oh, yeah. thank you. That's thank really, you. Really, yes. That's really, really cool. Thank you so much for your time. And yes, we definitely would love to have you um, back on the show again. It was great having you as our guest today. Thank Anything you, everyone, who's back, joined us here. <laughs> live today. If you're catching the show on the replay, this was an amazing interview. Uh, and do check out, if you're watching us over on Amazon Live, do go ahead and check out the book, The Tattoo Murder by Bob Brill, our featured author for today on the Writer's Corner live show. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Take care. Stay well. Bye for now. Thank you, ladies. Mm -hmm.